Yeah. Okay. Just make the old guy move his own. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also retired and I'm old and crotchety and I can say anything I want to say. <clears throat> I'm not actually crotchety. We're going to talk about kindness. You do understand that, right? <laughs> um, if you've been here for the last several weeks, I trust that you already know the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, meekness, and self-control. Uh, and so I'm not going to have you stand up and, and, and read that again. We're, we're going to talk about kindness today. And I want to, I want to start out by uh, saying something that may seem to be a little bit of a non sequitur, but it really isn't. Um, freedom isn't free. You know, that's freedom is not free. And we, we generally use that phrase and we, and we use it in the context of, of war. We use it in the context of people who have gone to war, people, people who have fought in war, uh, given their lives in war. And I was thinking about that uh, this week. And, uh, you know, while a lot of people in uniform give their lives in war, a lot of people not in uniform also die in war and, 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 and show courage. Uh, <clears throat> my son's father-in-law is uh, from the Philippines. And uh, during, uh, during World War II, when the Japanese invaded the Philippines, uh, they came to the village where his parents lived and killed everyone in the village, except his mom who had the little baby, Benny, and went and hid in a ditch for three days. Now that's courage, you know, and freedom is not free. It cost, it cost something. But that, when, when, we, when, we, when we limit it to that context, when we're thinking about war and stuff like that, uh, that's a political freedom. And political freedom is a two-edged sword. Political freedom, uh, you know, there's, there's two sides to that coin. My, my freedom is probably coming at the expense of your freedom. My freedom to uh, park my car right next to somebody so that they can't get in means that, you know, um, it's inconvenient for somebody else. My, my freedom to... Um, play my music as loud as I want. Ka-thum, 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 ka-thum. Whether anybody else wants to hear it or not comes at the expense of their freedom to enjoy life. Yeah. And, and you can climb on up the you can climb on up the ladder. Those those are are kind of kind of silly, but. Uh, but that's the way that it is in the world. In the world, the, the freedoms that the world offers cost somebody else for you to be able to get. It's not that way in the kingdom. So in, in the kingdom, there's this, there's this thing called real freedom that people have. However, in the kingdom, we don't have political freedom. The Lord never stands for election. None of us ever get to say, well, we don't want him as our king. Well, he's our king. 
And that's just the way that it is. Oh, we don't want it to be this way. We don't get a say in that. But what we get is we get real freedom. And real freedom, and and let me just say one other thing about political freedom because I mean, you know, we live in a country where we we kind of pride ourselves on being free. And we are, you know, if you, got the, if you got the car and you got the gas, you can get in, you can drive from here to, um, where can you drive to from here? Uh, you, you know, you can drive from here to Mil- Milwaukee or, or something like that because you're free to be able to go and, and do that sort of thing. But look around, look around not necessarily in here, but you can probably look around in here. In fact, you might not even have to look anywhere besides yourself to see these people who have all these freedoms are just so bound up, imprisoned. But in the kingdom, we can have this thing called real freedom, and and it costs something, and it it started at the cross. Ephesians 1.7 says this, He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He is so rich in kindness that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Why did Jesus have to die on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins? Well, it's because God is holy and God is just. And because he's holy, as sinners, we were not able to enter his presence. Have you ever wronged anybody? Me and Landon. We're the ones. You ever been wronged by anybody? Oh, a few more hands there. Okay. Uh, no, we've all wronged somebody. Well, once you wrong somebody and you, maybe you owe them money. Let's, let's do that. That's pretty, so there are other ways to wrong people, but let's say you owe them money and you hadn't paid them back and you ain't going to pay them back. Aren't you just so excited to see them when you run into them at Walmart? No, if they're on that aisle, you want to walk down this aisle because you've wronged them. Now multiply that times a bazillion, gillion, Googleplex something, and you begin to get what it would be like for a sinner to stand in the presence of a holy God. And so something needed to be done, and God couldn't just say, oh, that's all right. I'll change. I'll quit being holy. And he also couldn't just say, oh, that's all right. You know, I'm holy, but we're going to make, we're going to, I'll just, I'll just forget about it because he's just, and we want him to be holy and we want him to be just, you know, how many of you would like to serve an unjust God? No, we want him to be just. And so the solution was because he is so rich in kindness and grace, he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins so that a sacrifice could be made and we could be in his presence and it be the right thing, the the just thing. So that's why Jesus had to do that. You know, and some people will go, well, you know, he sent his son. Why didn't he come himself? Listen, if you've got a child, you, you get it. 
Because if there was ever, if there was ever a choice between me having to lay down my life or my son or, or one of my daughters having to lay down their grandkids for crying out loud, you know, that decision's made. You know, I, I can do that much easier than I can, than I can see them do it. And so through Jesus, we've been given the key to unlock the cell of our personal prison. But we have to use that key. You have to, you have to get up and, and use it. And to be free, isn't this ironic? I love how ironic God is. To be free we have to give up our freedom. Oh, that only makes sense. I mean, Jesus is the one who said, if you want to keep your life, you got to lose it. If you try to keep it, you will lose it. But if you're willing to lay it down, then you get to keep it for eternal life. And so to be free, we have to give up our freedom. And freedom requires the presence of the Holy Spirit. Three, three weeks ago, I was talking about that. I mean, the, the title of this series is Set Free, yet we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. There is no freedom without the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is in our lives and truly in our lives, the evidence of him being there is the fruit of the Spirit. You know, it's not, you know, the fact that we can work a miracle or something like that. God does miracles. God answers prayer. God does heal and things like that. But that's not the evidence that the Holy Spirit is necessarily active in our lives. Because you know what? Any supernatural being can do miracles, can woo us, and people get healed. And miracles happen that amaze us that don't really have anything to do with the Holy Spirit. The evidence that the Holy Spirit is in our lives is that we have lives that are filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, meekness, and self-control. That's, that's the evidence that he's there. And kindness, kindness is the one in the middle. Now, you know, some, some people go, well, there are nine fruits of the Spirit. And some people go, well, there's really just love. And all of these others are attributes of love. And I don't care. You, you, both of those are right. Both of those are right, by the way. But the one in the middle, if you got nine, is kindness. And, and there's a shift that happens when you, when you come to kindness. It is different from the ones that were before, that preceded it. And I'll tell you what that is here in a little bit. But it's foundational. It's foundational for all of my, uh, before the service, uh, Kevin was saying, you know, I think this is a topic that the church probably doesn't pay uh, the kind of attention to that, that it should. You think? <laughs> I, absolutely. It, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things that were kind of, oh, oh, they're kind. They must be United Methodist or something. Uh, <laughs> You got that, did you? <laughs> okay. Uh, let's talk about kindness. Kindness is not so much about what you do as it is about who you are. Because kind actions can come from unkind motives. Kind actions can happen because I want something. And so I'm going to be kind and, and try and get it. 
You know? Kind actions can happen because I want people to think a certain way of me. Uh, when I was, I think I was 13. I might have been 12. I was somewhere between 12 and 13. I came to the realization that there was a girl who lived across the street. Now, prior to that time, I knew people lived across the street, but I didn't understand that there was a girl who lived across the street. And she was a year younger than me. And she had a, a brother who was about four years younger than me. Uh, his name was John. And I was kind to John. <laughs> you know, I, 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 would, I would bring him into the, the backyard ball games and stuff. Like, come on over here. And you can be on my team. You know, and, and I, I, was, I was kind to this young man. But I had different motives because it was actually the fact that this young man had a big sister living right down the hall from him at their house. I got into their house. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. She still won't speak to me to this day. Uh, a truly kind person doesn't have ulterior motives. A, a, a truly kind person who who's, is doing kind acts does it because of who they are, not because of what they want or what they want you to think about them. So first of all, kindness is not, it's not like, well, I'm kind because I did that. I, I'm, I mean, you can see how kind I am. You know, I, I helped that, that person across the street. I helped this person with that and I gave that person some money. So, yes, sir, I'm kind. Uh, maybe you just did things so you could tell people you're kind. It's, 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 it's a matter of the heart. And second, uh, second thing about kindness here, kindness beats money, looks, talent, intelligence, kindness. Would you rather your daughter or son for that matter, would you, would you rather your daughter married a rich man or a kind man? A rich man who was not kind or a kind man who wasn't rich. Now, if you, if you choose selection A, there's something wrong with you. But if you use selection B, would you rather that your, your child married a spouse who was good looking or kind? You know, I mean, good looking is that, that, that works for a while. But if they're not kind, that's terrible. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying they need to, they have to be ugly. You know, when, when I was... <laughs> <laughs> Back in the 60s, there was this song, if you want to be happy for the rest of your life, never make a pretty woman your wife. But from my personal point of view, get an ugly girl to marry you. I didn't believe that. <laughs> but I, but I'm, I'm saying they need to be kind. Would you, would you rather it be a person who was smart and intelligent but unkind? Or would you rather it be, I am not a smart man. 
but I know what love is. I'd make you a good husband. Yeah, of course. And it's not just, you know, it's not just about, about getting married. Would, uh, who would you rather go into business with? So, someone who had a lot of money but wasn't kind, or someone who was kind and maybe didn't have much money. Let me tell you, you get that first one, you're not going to be in business long. At least you're not going to get much out of it. Yeah. Or someone who's smart but not kind. Don't go into business with someone who's unkind and smarter than you. That's dumber than a sack full of hammers. That'll get you into trouble. And it's not even just getting married. Who would you rather have as a roommate? Has anybody ever had an inconsiderate roommate? Has your roommate ever had an inconsiderate roommate? (laughs) Just just wondering there. That was a pretty pretty quick response. I see that hand. Uh, Kindness. It is so important. It's more important than these other things that we place more value on. Kindness is in short supply in the church. It's in short supply. And the supply has gotten shorter and shorter the older I've gotten. Did I mention that that I'm retired and I can say anything I want to say? It's gotten, the, the supply has gotten shorter and shorter. Somehow or another, and, and this, I feel like this happened in my lifetime. Now, it, it says over in uh, Ecclesiastes, I believe it is, don't say why were the old days better than these days, because that's just a, that's a dumb thing to say. That's, that's a, a terrible question. But I, if, I, if I feel like there was a shift that happened, some I don't know, 30, 40 years ago or something in the church. And we, and we decided that the way that we really needed to take the world for Jesus was to use the world's weapons to take the world for Jesus. We're fighting with the wrong weapons. You know, we look at, we look at the world and we kind of go, oh, well, you know, we need to take this back and we need to take that back. I look at our culture and the problem that I see with our culture isn't the world. The problem I see with our culture is the church. If the salt has lost its savor, then how can it be made salty again? How, how can it be that preservative and that flavor in the world that the world doesn't have. We have it, but we lost it. We traded it in for a different set of weapons to fight with. The world's just doing what the world does. Uh, Romans 2.4 says this. God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. Because of his great Kindness, he sent Jesus. Because of his loving kindness, there's no mountain he won't climb up. There's no wall he won't kick down. There's no lie he won't tear down because of his kindness. And as a response to that kindness, I was led to repentance. So how is it that I think that something 
patently unkind is supposed to be able to lead them to repentance. If kindness led me to repentance, what's supposed to lead them to repentance? Kindness. Kindness, that's, that's what I believe that it's, it's saying there. I, I wanna, let me read this other verse to you here. Uh, this, is a, this is a passage in Timothy that a lot of people do not know is in the Bible. It doesn't get uh, uh, spoken about much, and when I read it, you'll know why. Uh, uh, 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. They may come to their senses, escape from the snare of the devil, and that, that, that after being captured by him to do their will. So I'm gonna read this again because I know most of you weren't paying attention. Uh, I say that with all kindness. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna read uh, that first verse, and then I'm gonna tell you what most people actually hear when they if they do hear this verse. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. The first thing most people hear is, the preacher must not be quarrelsome. The evangelist must not be quarrelsome. That missionary must not be quarrelsome. You know. uh, Barbie must not be quarrelsome. Yeah. And what is happening when we think that way is we're thinking, I'm not the Lord's servant. They are. It doesn't say the preacher must not be quarrelsome. It doesn't say the evangelist or the missionary must not be quarrelsome. It says the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. Do you, are you his servant? You serve him? Uh, I mean, we'll say that. It just glibly kind of rolls off the tongue, but there's a price that comes with it. And so that kind of person is not supposed to be quarrelsome, but kind to some people. See, you didn't hear it the first time I read it, and even the second time, did you? Because it doesn't say kind to some people. It says kind to everyone or all. It depends on your translation. I don't know. Kind to you guys. Well, just, just whatever. No, the Lord's servant must be kind to everyone. But I don't like them. Well, <laughs> didn't say you had to like them. Said you had to be kind to them. I don't agree with them. Didn't say you had to agree with them. Said you had to be kind to them. I don't agree with what they're doing. Didn't say you had to agree with what they're doing. You have to be kind to them. I mean, you know, no wonder people don't want to get saved. I, I uh, had a friend who uh, was pastoring <laughs> a church up in Goodlettsville. He may still be there. I, I don't know. I hadn't, hadn't seen him in a while. But uh, he had been a member of uh, the denomination that I, that I was also a member of. And I'm not going to say what it is because I'm not slamming them. If you know what it is, that's your problem. But uh, <laughs> he, he was a member of that denomination. But the church he was pastoring was not 
a church of that denomination. And, you know, and I, and I said to him one day, I said, well, you never come to any of the meetings. You know, I never see you at any of the sectional meetings or anything. He says, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I try to keep a very low profile because if I came to the meetings and people knew about me and knew that I was there, there'd be, there'd be people who want to pull my credentials. You know, there's some pretty mean people out there. And all I could say is, amen, brother. Because there are. We're supposed to be, the Lord's servant, supposed to be kind to everyone. Oh, I actually skipped over one thing, because what most people hear is the Lord's servant, the preacher, the whatever, somebody besides me must not be quarrelsome unless they need to be. <laughs> unless it's really necessary. But it doesn't, it doesn't have a qualifier. I, I, it's amazing what Paul left out of the Bible. I mean, the Holy, he just, I'm sure the Holy Spirit said it, and Paul just didn't write it down or, or something. Yeah. Must not be quarrelsome, period. Well, it's not period, it's comma. I didn't even put a comma here. Uh, but be kind to everyone. They could have put a comma, be a comma splice. But uh, that's an English joke. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Kindness is in short supply in the church. And that's why the church is in short supply of new converts. That's why the church is in short supply of a faithfulness, quite frankly. Because once you're around a bunch of unkind people, you just don't want to go back. You just don't, you don't want to do that or be that anymore. Are you guys enjoying this? <laughs> I, I'm, just, I'm just wondering. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm coming into the last, the last lap here because I want to circle back to freedom is not free. See, the fruit of the Spirit is intended to lead us to freedom. You know, without love, you've got a gnarly go in life. You really do. Without joy, you are controlled by circumstances and what's going on around you. Without, without uh, peace, you're controlled by anybody who's ready to jerk your chain. Just, just whatever is, is going on there. Uh, uh, without patience, I see you. Justin, without, without patience, you're controlled by where people park. Uh, but when you have these things active in your life, you're free. You're free. You know what I thought when I saw that picture? I, 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 I almost immediately knew it was somebody who knew you. Because when I saw that picture, I went, not only can Justin not get into his truck, but that guy can't get out of his driver's side. Somebody parked there so they could crawl over their seat and get out the passenger door. That's, that's what I thought. I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, that's evidence of the Holy Spirit in my life. Because <laughs> it, it was your car, not mine. Uh, but the fruit of the Spirit is intended to bring us to, to freedom. And kindness is the one that requires you to focus on others. Requires you to focus on others. You see, I, uh, 
Joy, that's about me. That's on me. Peace, I've got peace like a river. You know, that's, that's about me. Patience, that's actually even about me. I mean, you know, other people impact it, but it's about me. Kindness is not about me. Kindness is, you know, you can have, you can have, you can even have love. Love God. You can have love without other people. You can have joy without other people. You can have peace without other people. In fact, it's a lot easier to have peace without <laughs> other people. You can have patience without other people. That's pretty good. But you can't have kindness without other people. They've got to be there. The fundamental difference between good and evil, the fundamental difference between God and Satan is one is turned outward and one is turned inward. That's the fundamental difference. Satan said, I will raise myself above the most high. I will do this. I will do that. God said, I love you so much. I'll send my son for you. I'll send my son for you. We think that we have to get our stuff together before we can kind of deal with other people. And, um, you know, self-help, um, self-care, you know, this book about, you know, what, what's going on inside of me. I got to get myself together before I, uh, I, can, uh, I can deal with others. But if we love others... I got a feeling that things begin to click into place inside. There's a there's a, a story uh, about a couple of actors, uh, Dustin Hoffman and um, Lawrence Olivier. Now, most of you probably know who Dustin Hoffman is. Uh, you old people know who Lawrence Olivier is. <laughs> Greatest actor of his generation. In fact, on the day that he died. Um, uh, John Stewart said on The Daily Show, he announced him dying. He said, Lawrence Olivier passed away today. And with his passing, every actor in the world went up one notch in the rankings. Uh, it's absolutely true. The guy was fabulous. But they, they did a movie together called Marathon Man. And, uh, and Hoffman, um, uh, the, the role that he had in this movie, he uh, was pretty rough. I mean, he, he got treated pretty roughly. And and Hoffman was famous for uh, method acting, which meant, you know, if he was going to play a homeless person, then he'd go live on the street for a few weeks to, to get into character or whatever. You know, if he was going to play uh, um, an athlete, you know, then he'd go into training. I mean, just, just whatever. So anyway, he was playing a pretty rough character. And he, and he came in one day uh, to do this scene that was going to be pretty rough. And Olivier saw him and my, my Lord. What has happened to you? What is this? And, and Hoffman explained to him, well, you know, it's, it's, a rough, it's a rough scene here today. And so, you know, I, I spent the night out on the street and I was just going to... And Olivier looked at him and said, why don't you just try acting? And I think 
There are times when we're struggling with so much going on in our lives and let's get this together. You know, I, I, I've, got to, I've got to resolve this and I've got to resolve that and I've got, to, I've got to take care of this thing that's happened to me and blah, blah, blah. And God is just saying, why don't you just try loving? Why don't you just try being kind? Why don't you just try forgiving? Why don't, why don't you just do that and then the circuitry get put back together? If you want to be free, it costs something. And it doesn't just cost those who have fought for our political freedoms. It doesn't just cost those who sacrificed so that our lives could be better than their lives. It doesn't just cost Jesus who died on the cross. It costs you something because it isn't always easy to be kind. It isn't always what you want to do. I mean, sometimes you just want to lash out. Sometimes you just want to sort them out. My dad, I loved my dad. Uh, <laughs> the older I get, the more, the more I love him. But, but my dad, when I, when I first came here, my dad had been the preacher here. And, and I remember there was this man named Dean Cogdale. And Dean uh, had spent a lot of time with my dad. And, and, and one of the things that, my, that Dean liked about my dad, or, or one of the things that he always uh, would point out was, you know, when my dad would get mad, uh, sometimes I, preachers do that at churches. When my dad would get mad, sometimes he'd say, I just want to pinch your little heads off. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, and, and, and Dean, Dean thought that was funny. Uh, and sometimes you just want to pinch your little heads off. But that's not where the freedom is. The freedom isn't going, okay, that's what I want to do, but that's not who I am. That's not who I am in Christ, because that's not who Christ is. Uh, and, and, and let me just say this, I'm kind of running out of time here, and I know, I know you guys are ready to, but that's okay. You, you can come out here and stand if you want to, but I'm going to take some more time. Uh, <laughs> I got, I got a couple more things to say, but, but hopefully they're worth, worth it. Uh, we live in a culture where kindness isn't cool. And I'm not just talking about the church culture. I'm, I mean, uh, you know, we live in a culture where kindness isn't cool. We want, we want that leader that's going to, you know, uh, give it to them, you know, upon, and, and that's the culture that we live in. So it's not just having to struggle with our own feelings. It's having to struggle with what we're swimming in every day. Uh, so it's hard. But the price has been paid and the power is there. You can come on out now. <laughs> Acts 1.8. I grew up in a Pentecostal church. And this was a... This is a very important passage of scripture. It says, but Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem 
and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And, and, I, and I grew up with an interpretation of that scripture being that when the Holy Ghost comes on you, then you'll be bold. You'll go out there and, and nobody will be able to shut down your testimony and you'll, you'll be able to share. And, okay. But I got a different look on it right now. Because it takes power to be kind. It takes power to be gentle. It takes power to be patient. It takes the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power to bear these fruits. And in bearing these fruits, you will be witnesses. Smyrna, Tennessee, to the uttermost ends of the earth. That's the witness that people need to see. You know, somewhere along the line, we kind of got off track and kind of felt like, well, Jesus sent us out into the world to tell them who they are and that they're sinners and that they're doing bad stuff. And, you know, they are sinners and they are doing bad stuff. Uh, every now and then, I might do something bad. But... He didn't send us to tell them who they are. He sent us to tell them who he is. And the way that gives validity to that message is if our lives reflect his life. Which can only happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. I know you guys are going to sing something else, but back in the, and I'm not going to sing this, but back in the, in the 70s, we used to sing a chorus from Psalm 63. Because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you. I will bless you. I'll lift up my hands in your name. That's really all I got to say today. But uh, you stand with me. And I know that. In a room this size, there are people who, who need prayer. There are people who brought things in. And so uh, those who are going to pray with people come forward and we're going to worship for a few moments. And if the Holy Spirit has <clears throat> laid something on your heart that, that you need prayer for, or maybe you came with something you knew you need prayer for, this is your time. Uh, these brothers and sisters are here to pray with you. Let's, let's worship.